All right, I'm a little uh, little refresher on a couple of things here. Um, if you look at um, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and I mentioned this before, and I just want to, it'll help us get started tonight. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, as Paul is um, listing qualifications for the deacons, which begins in, in verse 8, and remember that word just means servant. I want to em- emphasize that strongly, the term deacon just means servant. Very common word in the New Testament. A lot of times it's translated minister or something like that, or serve. But, but um, here it's, it's uh, actually transliterated here in, in verse 8, uh, chapter 3, 1 Timothy 3, verse 8. In other words, they didn't really translate it. They just brought it right over into English. Uh, the Greek word, diakonos, deacon. So Paul first in... in uh, Verses 1 through 7 lays out um, qualifications for elder. And then in verses 8 through, was it, 13, lays out qualifications for a deacon, which, uh, again, we, we, we went through. So I wanted to touch on tonight, um, talk a little bit about women's ministry. And so the reason I'm coming back here again is just a re- little bit of recap uh, Remember, when we discussed this, as far as elders, which is synonymous, by the way, with pastors, you see the terms elders, pastors, overseer, all the same thing. Bishop, all the same thing. Um, as far as elders, um, it is exclusively men, right? Exclusively men. There are no, there's, there's no um, idea of women pastors in, in the New Testament. Limited to men. Deacons, that is more in question. And I'm, and I'm saying it that way purposely because I, we talked this a, little bit, uh, a little bit about this before because it, there, there are definitely women servants. We're going, we're going to show you that. But the question is, were they, did they have a, an, an official role in, in the local church like, like we would think of uh, as, as um, is outlined here for the, for the men? That's, that's where there's question. In other words, were there deacons and deaconesses um, and different people? And, I'm, and I mean, different people answer that differently. And when I say that, I mean different, solid, inerrantist, Bible-believing, <laughs> God, truth-loving, God-loving uh, Christians um, committed to truth, committed to um, living out uh, biblical obedience, answer that differently because it is not um, totally clear in the Scripture. I think there is some room for, for disagreement on this issue, uh, unlike the case with, uh, with elders and pastors and so forth, elders, pastors, overseers. All right, so let me sh- show you here uh, one reason I say that, um, I'll, and I'll start by reading through the qualifications again for deacon in verse 8. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, 
but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good understanding for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So there, so there are the qualifications for deacon. Now, here's, here's the question regarding women. Um, in verse 11, Paul says, Their wives must likewise be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Okay, the term wives there is, is the, the common Greek word for, for woman, gune, it's where we get our, uh, where we get our terms like gynecology, it comes from this word, gune. Um, but it's, but it's the, it can be translated women correctly, so, or it can be translated wives correctly, so. And the way you have to determine it is by context. You know, I mean, if you're looking at a passage like um, um, Ephesians 5 where, you know, where there is discourse about husbands and wives and it's obvious you're talking about the, the marriage unit, then you're obviously going to translate that um, wives. But when you're in a passage like this, uh, it's, it's not crystal clear. Now, I was reading from the English Standard Version and it does translate it, the, the uh, translators of the English Standard Version translate it wives. I think the King, King James also translated wives. So the translators of the King James translate it wives. Um, so at least those translators thought this is, this is the correct um, rendering. Um, there you go. Right. That's a little more of a wooden translation, meaning they're just, you know, the word, the word means woman. But it, but it can be uh, translated wise, but it, like I say, you've got to determine by context. But here, that's a little more difficult, uh, figuring out. Is, is, should this be translated women or should it be translated wise? So, so, so here are the, um, so, so there, that, that presents us with a couple of options. All right, one is that, Essentially, in verses 8 through 10, Paul is talking about men, deacons, and then he shifts in verse 11 to talking about, real briefly, obviously, about, about women, deaconesses, and then back to men in verse 12, possibility. Or, like the ESV translates it here and the King James translates it here, if he's talking about men all the way through in terms of being deacons, he doesn't even have in his head, you know, the idea of women being deacons. He's just, he's just talking about qualifications for men being deacons. Then you get to verse 11. Um, if that's the case, then you get to verse 11. Wives would be the correct rendering. So he's talking about the wives of the deacons. In other words, this is still, if that's the case, this is still one of the qualifications for a male deacon. Their wives must be dignified not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things, right? So, so you, would have to put, you would have to put verse 11 in the category of this is one more qualification for a male deacon, for a man. He, he, his, his wife must be, um, have godly character also. 
in order for him to serve as a deacon. Here's one of the things that kind of throws a kink in it for me, taking that route. Um, Why doesn't he say that about the elders? Why why doesn't he say their wives, that is the wives of the elders, must be dignified, not slanderous, but sober-minded, faithful in all things? He doesn't say that about the elders. And so, I mean, that's not one of the qualifications for elders, which just to me would seem odd if um, if he's talking about wives in verse 11. You see what I'm saying? In other words, why would he require the deacon's wives to be godly and not the elder's wives to be godly? <laughs> that's that's you know, just a question mark for me there on that, um, if, if that's the, the correct way to look at it. On the other hand, if he means in verse 11 deaconesses, then that would make sense because um, you, you don't have elderesses. You know, he's already he's already ruled that out. You know, you know, they're not women elders, not women pastors. In other words, he doesn't. Paul doesn't. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't allow that. So. Um, so there would be no need to put that in verses 1 through 7 when he's talking about elders. But if there are women deacons, deaconesses, then um, it would make perfect sense to have it here. You know, that I'm, you know, I'm just kind of imagine Paul's thinking. I'm, I'm laying out the, the uh, criteria for, for deacon. And, oh, yeah, by the way, um, the women deacons also... I mean them too. They must also be dignified, not slanderers, sober-minded, faithful in all things. All right. One now. On the other hand, <laughs> let's go back. Look, going back to like what Sheila was saying. Uh, going back to that view. One of the things that makes it really tough is that verse 12 follows verse 11, and verse 12 says, "Let deacons each be the husband of one wife." So you can't have at least in Paul's day, you, you couldn't have a woman be the husband of one wife. Now, I know they're trying to do that in our day, but in, in, in Paul's day, you couldn't do that. Sure. We, the church is the, is the bride. Re, the Revelation uh, uh, 21, 22, you know, refers to the church as the bride. The church is the bride of Christ. Um and true, in that sense, in terms of salvation, justification, sanctification, I mean, there, there is no male or female. In other words, we all come to Christ the same way, by grace through faith. But in terms of, of roles in the local church, ministry, uh, there, there is a distinction. So, you know, um, for example, Paul says, I don't, I don't allow a woman to teach or usurp authority over men. So... You know, there is a distinction in the local church. Um, just like there is a distinction in the family. If Jordan is 13 and she's in subjection to me as her father, but, you know, she, she, uh, she's a Christian. I mean, she came, she came to Christ a couple years ago and uh, she's growing as a Christian. So in terms of salvation, she's just as saved as I am. She's not a second-class Christian because she's only 13. 
And even if she, you know, again, doesn't matter if she's male or female. In terms of salvation, we're we're on equal footing. But in our family, we're not. (laughs) She she obeys me, not the other way around. See, Paul says that children are to be in subjection to their parents, not parents to their children. So there's so there's roles, proper roles to to uh, to uh, fulfill in in family life and in church life. But yeah, in terms of salvation, Paul says in Galatians, there's no, there's no bond or free. There's no male or female. Um, Jew or Gentile, we're all one in Christ. All one in Christ. Somebody else has something? Thought I saw. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, right. Yeah, there are different views on it. And there, and there is a little room to... to I mean, it could be understood a couple of different ways, but but I but I think some of the hardliners are just are just off base. It would depend on the individual circumstance, and that's you know something that a that a church would have to examine and and uh, and pray and and seek the Lord's wisdom on. But but if but now, um, suppose suppose he was he was presently running around on his wife, and he said and and you know and he's applying for pastor or whatever, you know. Um, no. That's, and that's what Paul's saying. Even, and same about deacon. Must be a one-woman man. One-woman man. So. No. My understanding is no. But, but they cheated like, just like people do today. Yeah. But no. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I don't think they were doing that so much. In, in uh, not that it didn't exist at all, but but I don't think it was a uh, a common thing in in the Roman Empire, even among the Jews in in, uh, in Israel. Uh, I I, in fact, there I can't think of any example of it in in the Scripture. But that had kind of gone by the by the wayside for the most part. That would definitely be wrong. Two wives, but but even if you just, you know you had one wife, but uh, a mistress, all right. That's a, that's that's not a one woman man. So so Paul's saying he must be a one woman man. True for elders and for deacons. If got one, if he's got a wife and he has not ever cheated on her, but in his mind, you know, he's 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 got a problem with women and he's lusting after women. That's not a one woman man. All right. So Paul says he can't be a elder. He can't be a deacon. Good question. But yep. You do hear a lot of different things on that. Okay. Um, with that in mind, just, just discussing, are there, were there deaconesses? Let's go to, look at the last chapter in Romans, Romans chapter 16. And verse 1. Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Okay, so, uh, well, I should mention Priscilla too, I guess. Verse 3, greet uh, Prisca, that's Priscilla, and she's called Priscilla in Acts. Greet Prisca and Aquila, uh, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. So so, um, he refers to them, the couple, as fellow workers, along with himself, 
And in verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant. Well, that term servant is the word deacon. Same, same word that Paul uses in 1 Timothy 3, 8. Okay? Um, so, here's the deal. The, the word just means servant. All right? So, Phoebe was definitely a deacon. The question is, was she a deacon in the sense of just she was just a servant. She she just loved to serve people, and she had a servant's heart, and, and that was her gifting, and that's what she did. That's who Phoebe was. She was just a uh, she just had a servant's heart. Was does it just mean it in that sense, and just the general sense of the word, or was she uh, an, an official servant, and you know, was she a deaconess appointed? Recognized, duly appointed by the church to officially serve the church at Sincrea? And the answer is, we don't know for sure. Okay? <laughs> we, we don't know for sure. Uh, it, it, it sounds like here, and I'm just, you know, like when I read it, I'm thinking she's a, a deaconess. You know, she's a servant at the church, of the church at Sincrea, in the same sense that. Paul is talking about deacons in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Seems to me on the surface, but, I, but, but you just can't be 100% sure. And, and the word, uh, like I say, the, 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 the word does just mean servant, so it can certainly be used in just a general way. And Prisca here is not called a deacon, a servant, but she is called a fellow worker, Prisca and Aquila my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. And we do know from the book of Acts that they served alongside of Paul and uh, you know, worked with him. Verse 12. Greet those workers in the Lord, Trophania and Trophosa. Greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. So the next time you have, or, or somebody in your family has twin girls, name them Trifena and Trifosa, okay? <laughs> Amen. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's in the church, yeah, or at least are in the church, yeah. But he points out, uh, you know, uh, explicitly that Phoebe is a servant of the church. A deacon. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what that's the word. <laughs> that's the word. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's another thing, yeah, that you got to think about. He didn't. So it, you, it, that's another thing. It looks like, okay, if, if, if he did mean that there are women deacons, why would he not say that? Why would he not say, okay, now the deaconess must be the wife of one husband? Well, I think that's true uh, either way. I mean, that's true of both. Uh, um, or if it's only men, that's true of men. Uh, in other words, it's not required that, that elders or deacons be married, but, but it was assumed because most of them were, you know, just like today. Um, so, I mean, he's just saying, it's, it's kind of like saying, uh, we're, we're assuming they're going to be married, and so they've got to be a one-woman man. 
but uh, but no, it's not required. That would have ruled Paul out. He'd have been he'd have, he'd have been disqualified in Jesus. So, but but yeah, that's another thing you got to think about with the women, uh, because he doesn't. How does it read? Let me get back over there real quick here. Um, deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to wine. Let's see, go down, verse 11. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderous, slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Just like with elders, you know, he starts out with elders saying that you, you must be above reproach. So, so um, I mean, that's true all the way, all the way through, elders, deacons, and... And if there's deacon and deaconesses, that would apply to both. So, yeah. So I'm just, you know, and I'm not trying to be confusing. I'm just trying to point out that it's a difficult, um, it's a difficult call. Now, that said, like if you looked at if you looked at First Timothy three only, um, I would I, there probably wouldn't be much question in my mind. I mean, I would think, well, okay, he's talking about men. And their husbands and their wives. The, the 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 word in verse eleven means wives. So, but like I say, when you go to these other passages and you and you see Paul mentioning women serving, then that just seems to reinforce the idea that 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 the church had deaconesses. But but you can't prove it either way, um, and so it's it's just not an easy issue. Just one of those issues that's that's tough. Let's see. Look, look um, just for thought here. Look over at Matthew 28. Oh, no, that's not what I want. Hang on just a minute here. I'm sorry. Maybe it's 27. Matthew 27:55. There were also many women there. This is, of course, when um, Jesus is being crucified. There were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee ministering to him. That's, that's our word there. Um, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Now, I'm not suggesting Jesus had official deacons or deaconesses um, in, his, in his earthly ministry, but I'm just saying that, that they were serving Jesus. Um, and that's made clear here. So, and how? I mean, if you just had to guess, and to some degree we do have to, uh, but if, how, how, would you, how would they be serving Jesus? I mean, they were, they were going with him, ministering to Jesus. What does that mean? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so it's interesting, isn't it? And they, and they followed him. And by the way, they never, this is, I, you know, just... Uh, I suppose a um, shameful shame for uh, men. I suppose, but you you don't read you don't ever read about them forsaking Christ. You know, they're they're there right through crucifixion and right back after the Sabbath is over to uh, to um, embalm the the body. I mean, they never like you know like uh, the rest of the disciples dispersed. The men dispersed. And Peter denied Christ. Judas denied Christ. Um, and of course, uh, 
was all for Judas, but uh, Peter repents. But but they but they all all of the men dispersed and and uh, re- essentially denied Christ. You know, all of them essentially did what Peter did. They just didn't do it all do it verbally. I don't guess, but but uh, they scattered. Um, John, I think, followed him initially to the to uh, to the tribunal, part of the tribunal. But uh, but they scattered. But the women seem to remain faithful all the way through. Um, all right. Now you see there where it says they're they're with him and they're serving him. Look over at Luke, Luke chapter eight, in verse one. Luke eight one. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. So this is during his during Jesus' ministry. And the twelve were with him. Twelve apostles, of course. Look at verse 2. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chuzza, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others women, that is, who provided for them out of their means. So, and, and some manuscripts, by the way, say uh, provided for him. I don't know, some of you may have that in your translation. Who provided for him out of their means. So here, Luke sheds a little bit more light and says these women were traveling with Jesus, pro- providing for him, or for them, the disciples, uh, out of their means. But again, you can ask, well, what exactly does that mean? Um, well, probably, um, uh, m- maybe money for one thing, monetary funds, but also like what Sheila was saying a while ago, just uh, helping and, and using their, the, their means to uh, um, enable him to be occupied with uh, ministering the Word, doing what, doing what it says he was doing here, which is, um, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. So uh, they, by serving, by providing for them out of their means, enable him to to do that. So yeah, so here they're they're providing for Jesus out of the means, and and uh, like the brother said, they, one good example of that is is Martha um, cooking, serving, serving food. Unfortunately, getting upset because Mary wasn't helping, but uh, but uh, but still, she was serving. She was doing a, a good thing. She just wasn't doing as good a thing as, as Mary was. Mary has chosen that good thing, Jesus said, which shall not be taken from her. So, but but still, she you know she was serving. All right, so just some things to think about, and I got uh, I'm gonna we're not gonna have time to go through these, but I'm gonna pass them out, and, and you can you may want to take them and look at them. All this is and is a, a list of um, opportunities for ministry for women. And, of course, there are going to be a lot of things on here that aren't going to... Uh, oh, thank you. That aren't going to uh, uh, apply. Huh? Oh. <laughs> so... I was going to read through it, but but just just uh, you know, if you want to look at it, take it, and and you might. One thing I was going to do that I haven't done yet um, is you might just go through and mark ones that you think are are realistic for you if you're a woman in this church, or realistic for women in this church. Uh, you might think, well, yeah, this is uh, this is something that uh, 
a need that exists out there that we might possibly address or whatever. But, but I took this from a book called What's the Difference um, by John Piper. And, and he just, this was actually a list he, he had provided for his church, and, and he just put it in the book, uh, hoping that it would help others think uh, through some opportunities. And so I just thought I'd share it. But um, just looking at the, the headings, you can see there are ministries to the handicapped, ministries to the sick, ministries to the socially estranged, prison ministries, audiovisual ministries, writing ministries, teaching ministries, music ministries, ministries to youth, Sports ministries, therapeutic counseling, radio and television ministries, theater and drama ministries, social ministries, performance, um, evangelistic ministries, pastoral care assistance, prayer ministries, missions, support ministries, and then uh, the last two, uh, vitally important, the awesome significance of motherhood. And then making a home as a full-time wife. All right, any other thoughts on any of that? Hopefully everybody's not <laughs> thoroughly confused as to whether there were, uh, whether there should or shouldn't be or were or was uh, deacons or deaconesses, rather, uh, in, in the church. I like to say, my, my intention is not to confuse the issue, but, but, it, but it's just a difficult issue. So, so I just want to be honest on that. And I think this, I think it, uh, and, and one reason for pointing that out is because I think this is one of those issues where there's, there is no room for um, dogmatism, you know, hardline um, dogmatism, because it's just not that clear. Well, ministry, yeah, and it should be. Ministry should be um, what we do. But there are things like, uh, for example, you know, like, um, but when you think in, like, in church life, I mean, just for example, look at the second page, and you see the, uh, the second one on the second page is pastoral care assistance. So visitation, newcomer welcoming and assistance, hospitality, food and clothing and transportation. So, um, and then the next one, prayer ministries, you know, praying, mobilizing for prayer events, helping with small groups of prayer, coordinating prayer chains, promoting prayer days and weeks and visuals. Um, then, of course, the next one, missions, another possibility, all of the above, uh, great way to put it, all of the above across cultures. Um, so, um, yeah, those, those are uh, areas where... You know, there there is there is opportunity for sure. There is need. Those those are kind of like always exist. Where you know some of these others, like like you go back to the very first one and ministers ministries with a handicap, which by the way is a great ministry. But but you know you can be in a small church like this where there maybe there aren't any handicapped people. So you think well, unless I go outside the church, which is uh. Fine too. You may go to a, a, a home like Louisiana State School or something like that. But, but anyway, you may think, well, that's not really realistic for our congregation, and and some of these won't be, but but others are kind of across the board. All right. Well, let's uh, let's have a word of prayer and we'll we'll dismiss. Father, we do thank you for your word, your truth. We thank you for instruction that you've given us for. Uh, for life in, in, in your household. 
Father, we pray for your wisdom in all of these things as we not only discuss them, but as we try to flesh them out practically in everyday life and in the ministry of the congregation. Uh, Lord, give us wisdom to do what is pleasing to you and what you will bless and what is effective uh, in, in your kingdom work. Work it out for your honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.